We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to whatever the summer version of our normal Spotify lives are. I've yet to come up with a catchy name. I'm pretty good at bullshit branding, but there's only like five of these summer league games. So we will see what goes on. As you guys know, I did not record one late last night following the Mavs super late summer league game, largely because I just don't have the bandwidth. And I think uh, as LeBron James has shown everyone today, there's you, you don't always need to talk. Um, so the the Mavericks just got destroyed by the Phoenix Suns, losing their second straight game, or really third straight game. <laughs> What's wrong with me? But this is the first game where they were worked pretty good from pillar to post. Um, Jaden Hardy continues to look 19, I think, is is really the you know, however old he is, is, is kind of my first takeaway. I think after three games, I feel fairly confident in the early assessment that he is not a point guard, which again is fine. I think the Mavericks forcing him to play point guard is actually probably not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, Ethan in the chest says, hopefully this changes the stance on Hardy being a rotation contributor. You know, it sort of depends on what he does. I mean, his shot is gorgeous. I really like watching him catching and shooting. And when he does stuff off of maybe like one to two dribbles, there's just real Tim Hardaway vibes for me. You know, Timmy, whenever he over dribbled, it was awful. Uh, But, you know, one to two, it's fine. Power dribbling, moving to a spot, you do what you do. But past that, it was really, really pretty rough. Um, I spent a significant portion of these last two games trying to tune out, uh, apparently once, uh, apparently like future Mavs employee, Greg Anthony, who, um, spent a, just so much time, like talking about how great the Mavericks have done and just like a very confusing, um, you know, series of statements and, you know, it was, it was like very clear in the game yesterday where you'd seen him talking to Mark Cuban and then he gets up and talks about how, how well they've done and how, you know, Cuban's now giving the front office room to operate and just a bunch of stuff that like, to be quite honest, is not, a, like, we're not able to corroborate, corroborate that. I don't want to say it's not the truth, but, you know, when you're out there and, and you see, you know, uh, anybody talking about, oh, this is what they're saying unless there's you know like multiple sources corroborating that the Mavericks are now run by a front office where Mark Cuban's hands are off of it which I've not seen in over a year I'm not particularly interested in what we're being told um and then you know we, we had television today where Mark you know and yesterday uh Tim uh or I'm sorry <laughs> yesterday Jason uh kid got up and and was was pretty interesting on the broadcast I thought today um, Greg St. Jean got up and gave probably 
you know, one of the more compelling defenses of what the Mavericks have done to date, really enjoyed listening to him. Um, and then they also spark, spoke to Mark Cuban, who had the utter gall to say that it, the Mavericks will easily replace Jalen Brunson's scoring. He specified scoring. I still hate the comment. I just hate it. I would like it so much better if the Mavericks would just say Jalen Brunson got away. This wasn't the best thing to happen to us, but there's just this constant projection of strength in the face of facts. And, you know, we around here in Texas have been dealing with the potential of like rolling blackouts and you, there's just not an upside to a rolling blackout. A blackout is a blackout. When you're without power and it's 105 degrees, things suck. When you lose your second best player, that sucks. I'm opening, I'm, I'm really open to hearing the argument that, you know, what Xavier has told us repeatedly going on like a year that this could make the Mavericks better in the long term because it doesn't tie them down. I'm fine with that. Fine with it. I think it's a good argument. I'm not sure if I agree with it, but it's logic-based. But to say that the guy in Christian Wood, who we're apparently bringing off the bench, according to Tim Cato, and Tim Hardaway Jr., who was horrendous last season, are easily going to replace that scoring, speaks to an, a, a reality which I, I just... It, it requires a lot of faith, and it's frustrating to me. Uh, Nico Harrison at least got up there and, and addressed Mark Cuban's, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, addressed Luka Doncic's quotes uh, that he gave to the overseas uh, organization, or not, uh, media outlet Marca, I think it was. And granted, you know, I've, I've had some spirited debates about the translation of what Luka had to say in, in that um, publication, but I watched the video. I watched like tone, I think, is sometimes as important as what people said. You know, Lucas saying that free agency has just begun is like factually incorrect. Like free agency is over. So I don't really know what to do with that one. But he, he you know, he said he does want, want to win a championship in Dallas and that he doesn't know what the future holds. Um, I'm okay with those statements. Those things are both fine, but they weren't exactly glowing endorsements of what Dallas has done. And NBA TV decided to paint those things as such. And that is, is really, really not great. Um, we've had a lot of comments. I don't have to go back and read them through. Come up and talk, and let's just talk about the game or anything else we want to talk about, and we will go forth. So coming up first, Michael. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Kirk. How's it going? That's going. You can tell I'm a little full of piss and vinegar. I'm tired tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have a, if you're starting a green room at, like, midnight, then something is definitely, like, on your mind, I imagine. Um, well, half my staff is asleep, and nobody wanted to do a recap pod. So, you know, a little calm A, a little calm B. As as Krishna says, we are sickos. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think if anyone watched that entire game we just watched, then, yeah, you're a certified sicko. Because, uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty rough thing to see. And I think the uh, I think the hearty hype train is uh, a little bit uh, – you can kind of – Put away the anointing oil, if you can probably say. I mean, I, the Hardy stuff is interesting to me because I think if you – what it really depends on what your personal level of expectations are for me. For me, through three games, he's looked his age, and he's done some very interesting, specific things. I will also say there it's very clear the why that he was not a lottery pick despite at one point being a top-two player in the nation. I have no idea how he was ever a top two player in the nation after watching him through these games. That's not to say he's bad. It's just through the level of competition, he does not have a first step at all. Um, but what he does have is a series of like very smooth moves. And I will say I like how he's attacked, but past game one, he's not been able to finish. And not finishing was his biggest challenge in the, uh, in the G League. So I'll be I'll be interested to see how much he can learn, what sort of strength he can develop. Like he has a great frame. He looks like he belongs out there. So these are these are good starting points. What do you think? Yeah, I I will agree with you on the frame. Like the length, you can definitely see how. I guess I would say you can picture uh, what his role could be on the team, but it's very it's very raw still. Like, it's just, like, there will be occasions where 
you can see he has some very advanced dribble moves, right? I think we saw a little bit of that in the first game. But then for every one of those moves, he just loses the ball on a simple crossover. He basically cannot handle... Oh, he has no left hand. Like, like they need to tie his right hand behind his back and just make him do left-handed stuff because he's so smooth with his right hand. And then he goes to his left hand, and it's it's really it's just it's hilarious. I, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I I definitely think at some time with Sham God could help. Mm. Um, also, I also am a little bit concerned with his inability to get separation uh, on his jumper, like. I think he's had his three-point shot blocked like at least four or five times in the summer league, and that's just not what you would want to see. Um, it's just a little bit of a slow release, just kind of seems like a low release point, and he definitely needs to uh, make that a little bit quicker, I think. I think so. I do. But, you know, it, the, the, the kind of comp or really like the, the slot point needs to be thinking of what sort of shots is he going to be getting if he plays with Luca or Spencer Dimwitty? And for me, it's corner threes or it's threes just above the break, like the kind of things Dorian Finney-Smith was taking as the year goes along. And with the mechanics that he has right now, I don't feel terrible about that. Like, watching Josh Green shoot physically pains me every time he does it because there's such a – I mean, it's not a fair comparison point, but, like, as I teach my six-year-old how to shoot – it's just a lot of remind. Like it can't be this much of a thought process. It's a it's a rise and fire situation, and that's what Jaden Hardy does. Uh, but I, I do understand what you mean about elements of of maybe being a little slow at times. I just I don't know. There's a smoothness and a confidence in it that I don't think you can t- that you can teach. Yeah, um, and I think I mean we'll have to see. I'm not, I don't think that like okay. This is going to be a little bit difficult to explain, but I agree with you that I think that he will definitely look a lot better if he's playing next to like a true ball handler like Spencer or Luca. But sure. I have very, I have a very difficult time imagining that his role will be anything like that. Like obviously not next oh, year, no. but even I guess, I guess my point is like I'm not sure how he even like jumps into the rotation, right? Because like. On like in like in like the second unit, right? He'd probably be asked to be maybe like a sixth man, like you know, uh, like like one of the one of those like th like like Tim um, Tim esque role where he's just like you know a lightning bug point like not a point guard but guard off the bench who's just gonna score, right? And I'm not sure if he really has the juice for that yet. Um, but yeah. Any, anyway, uh, the, the the real thing that I actually wanted to uh, talk to you about, though, was just kind of what you were um, uh, just kind of waxed poetic about to start off. You, which you is, can say rambling like a drunken madman, even though I'm not. No, no, I those <laughs> these interviews are infuriating to me because it just seems like okay, it's 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 weird how like the we were getting blown out all night, and for some reason, all the interviews were, like, Mavericks interviews. Like, there's, like, apparently no Suns. Like, like, did they have a single, like, interview with the Suns? I was very confused with all that. James, James, um, what's up? James Jones doesn't seem to think much for, for, like, youth, you know, younger player evaluation. And then their owner is under investigation, so I'm not really sure who else could be there. Yeah, I guess maybe some part of their coaching staff. But, like, it is it's just un, it's just frustrating how I don't know like the the characterization of Luca's comments was especially was really something how uh, he was, I mean it wasn't the he's, truth he's very it was like a it was a misreading of what he had to say where it's like oh he has a lot of confidence yeah he, that's, that's it, what he said pretty much the by like the exact opposite of how all the fan base like um probably took it and probably also the opposite of how Nico took it. If you kind of see how he reframed it into immediately being like, yeah, we have to prove to Luca that we're Love that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think that's good. Like, I think it shows that Nico, you know, if the, if, you know, if it wasn't already clear that, you know, he at least knows the point of what Luca was trying to get at there. So I think that's positive, Yeah. but just, I would like one of these interviews to actually ask in one of these interviews, okay, how are you going to replace the ball handling? Like a little bit more specific and, you know, not like a gotcha question really, 
because up to this point, everyone has just been like, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, you know, you lost Jalen Brusson, but like Howard, you know, but you got JaVale McGee and that kind of gives them a chance to say, ah, yeah, you know, we think that, you know, we can replace the scoring, but you know, I guess I'm just interested in how they would respond with like a more pointed question. That's just, okay. If Luca or Spencer get hurt, which, you know, Luca missed 17 games last year and Spencer obviously is still recovering from his ACL. If one of them get hurt or if one of them are in foul trouble, what's the plan? Like, yep. They're, they're, we can't be rolling out either Tim or Frank or Josh Green at backup point guard if one of them go down for any reason, injuries or foul trouble. Who knows? So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to take up any more time, but it's just very frustrating me that it's been like, we're now like over a week and a half into free agency, and it really is difficult to see how, aside from like a, you know, the fall of some KD trade, which might not happen for months. Or like a Kyrie trade, which who knows when that could happen. Just short of that, how like what avenue there is to get a third ball handler? Like I was oh, hoping you'd be Drogic, sure. and that obviously was not the case. And I just don't really know what to look for, look for. Like or I don't know what's going to happen. Like I'm actually thinking that we might miss Trey Burke. I can't believe I, I'm going to say that, but I he might actually have been useful. Oh well. Love it, Michael. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for letting me ramble. Oh, I mean, that's what rambling is for the middle of uh, middle of July when we have like three solid months till NBA basketball. Um, I'll say that that this sort of stuff becomes slightly difficult if you. So for uh, I've been, you know, despite protestations otherwise, myself and Mavs Moneyball have actually been pretty low key on the criticism of what we have seen so far in the off season, largely because I don't think any of us can believe that they're done. Tim Cato sort of echoed that sentiment today on his 77 minutes in heaven podcast, the worst named Mavs podcast in history. Just kidding, Tim. I love you. Um, great intro song as, as Castro points out there in the chat. Oh, Tim, Krishna, Tim is like, Tim's my old boss. I have to give him grief. Um, anyhow, he said on his very good podcast today that he doesn't think they're done either. And if if that's the case, it sort of makes a number of my current criticisms moot. And so like there just there needs to be that level of hedge. What I don't love is that there is a um there's there's just a reluctance to say by anyone else that to date this has sucked. <laughs> And it drives me a little bit crazy because it's okay to say that to date, this has stunk. Luca more or less indicated that it stunk in his comments. So I don't know. You know, Mr. Volo in the chat says, I never thought Kirk would ever be more optimistic than me than here we are. It's mainly just because I, I don't, I can't believe that they would end with two ball handlers. Like it's, it's like Michael just said, you know, that maybe we're longing for Trey Burke. Um, I, I still, for, for all of my sort of like raking them over the coals, I want to, I, I also would like to hedge in that, you know, if they move away from Dwight Powell for anything, it's going to have to be a, oh, that's really interesting. You know, like uh, I'm very into Mike Conley, for example, but that's because I've loved Mike Conley since he was at Ohio State, not for any rational reason. I mean, he's my, he's close to my age. Anyways, we got a number of people waiting, so we're going to fly through them. Sam, what's up tonight, buddy? Hey, what's up, Kirk? How you doing? I'm okay. Victor in the chat wants us to know that uh, Dennis Schrader is out there. And Dirk didn't even want him on the German national team at one point, I think. So I don't think the Mavericks will take him. But that's just me. What are you thinking tonight? Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll pass on Schroeder. Um, that's just my opinion as well. But um, it, it's funny because I've been thinking about it over the last couple of weeks, and then especially with Kid, you know, talking about the starting lineup. And I, I realize what he's trying to do because – Obviously, everybody knows he was on the Lakers uh, before he came to Dallas. And they were huge. They were a huge team. Yeah, when, when they won the championship, it was McGee, Davis, James. It was just tall on top of tall. So, it was, you know, they were a huge team. So, I see what they're trying to do. But then, you know, the report comes out that Christian Will might come off the bench. And then it's like, okay, so I think I know what they're trying to do at this point. And I think that's the problem that we're all having as mass fans. We don't know what they're trying to do. 
like, okay, they want to do this. They want to have this starting lineup. But they sign this guy. It's like, okay, how does he fit? You know, you, you get this guy. Okay, okay, how does this guy fit? You lose your ball handler. Well, you know, let's get a replacement. Well, we haven't got a replacement yet. And I'm in the same camp as you. As I want to hope that they're not done yet, but it's starting to get to the point. It's like, man, maybe they are done. <laughs> so I mean, well, I mean, they're waiting for anything related to to Durant and Kyrie, and I and I say that in the sense of not that they're waiting for to have a chance at them. They're waiting for peripheral fallout, like Kessler Edwards, who but, was a guy that went to my alma mater at, at Pepperdine University, and he's the sort of guy that I would scream if they managed to get because he's just like a developmental wing prospect that has some flashes. I don't know if he'd work with Dallas, for example, because I. I, I don't know team fit, but that's the sort of thing that they're talking about. Like that was why when the morning I got on the plane to go to Vegas and I, I, you know, just judging by the multiple European contacts were like, Hey, the Mavericks are signing, you know, what's his name and ended up being for a two way contract where it's like, Oh no. So I just, I, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt in this situation. I do think that they've earned it where I get vexed is less the hey trust us that's fine more more than i do the pr shit where it's like we're gonna be great don't worry like they did that with dirk for too long and wasted a lot of his years and that stuff makes me mad that's all yeah and i I get that it's just the fact that i've said this before on the on on here is that the thing that i hate about this team just in general is they're always having to wait for the move before they can make the move is like it's pretty much been since Lucas been here. Well, it's but like, but okay. that's that's what you do, and this is why I you know I I am I went and looked at my tweets about a month ago. I did not like the Kristaps Porzingis trade. I really did not like the five years guaranteed. I mean, when you when you continually make bets that have long term consequences, this is where we are. I mean, the Mavericks. It's got to be stated, the Mavericks can't realistically unless they get the Knicks to agree to take the first round, um, uh, the the top 10 projections off the first round pick for 2023, the earliest the Mavericks can trade a pick is their 2027 pick. Like it's crazy right now. So it's the Mavericks just don't have a lot of flexibility. And this is the sort of stuff Josh and I were crowing about for years. And it's not this front office's fault. They have to just make do with what's there. Yeah, that's right. I'm not blaming Nico at all. He's just working with what he got. I mean, like, we the Mavs have just been unlucky in general. I mean, we had a horrible season, and then we ended up picking fifth, so we had to make a trade to the Hawks to get right. Luka. Like, little stuff like that is like, okay, now we got to throw in two first-round picks. And I don't know how negotiations were going with the whole KP thing, but we threw in those picks, and it's like, okay, now we don't have those picks. And then, like you said, we give KP a five-year deal with no protections on it at all. So it's like – what are y'all doing? <laughs> and then you know, with the whole Donnie Nelson drafts, leaving the draft room, I don't want to talk about that anymore because that was ridiculous. So it's just like ever since then, it's just been wrong. It's, oh, it's just been unlucky, sure. terrible. Yes. Long, yeah. Just stuff like that. And now we're having to pay the consequences for it. So it's kind of hard to make a move whenever you kind of put it. I mean, look at the Lakers. You know, they were talking about trading. Yes. John, what's the risk for John Wall? But the Rockets wanted a 2027 first round pick and they don't have any more picks. So it's like, what, what are you going to yeah. do? So I hope they're not done. I mean, usually summer league is whenever deals happen. Most of the time, it's just everybody's there, I feel like. So yeah. I would think, well, I guess, like you yeah. said, we'll have to wait for the KD Kyrie thing to kind of shake out. But if this is it, you know, just hypothetically, if this is it and this will be going to the season with, you got Luca. I can't keep saying you got Luca because, or, like the last guy said, you're one injury away from what are you going to do? Yeah. So that's what I mean. Where, but I think that as frustrated as I am with the comments, and it's just the comments, it's just PR. Uh, you know, Mark and I casually disagreed about this when he came on the show. I get it. The only people who are watching an NBA TV summer league game in the middle of July are us. I mean, like, look at the size of the room here. Like, we normally draw, like, 200. Nobody cares right now. It's just (laughs) Oh, well. Well, Sam, you got anything else? No, I'll let some other people get out. I think I'll... 
All right. Appreciate you, buddy. Hope we talk soon. Hey, have a good night. Yep. All right. Let's go with my man. Oh, I was just arguing with him. Hi, Jonas. Welcome. What's up? Hey, how's it going, Kirk? It's going. It's going. I should go to bed. I didn't know it was 1245, but whatever. Yeah, it's late. I'm on the West Coast. I was surprised you guys were up in Dallas. Uh, Hey, I just wanted to – Cuban is, you know, between the mismanagement of of this team and and with Donnie Jr. and and also what's gone on to, you know, real people's lives and and the whole sexual assault and everything going on, I'm starting to think he's he's one of the worst owners in sports, honestly. Uh, I'm just – I'm so tired of it. He wasted all of Dirk's years, uh, except for the one. And yeah, man, I just, I'm getting really sick of it. Well, last summer I wrote a a piece on him and I I have it pulled up because I linked to it in the thing I wrote that basically it was titled less of Mark Cuban might be more. And I still greatly value Mark Cuban in a big picture sense. There are just moments where I wish that he would either say less or not be available, and it's just never going to be the case. I think that, you know, finally moving on from Rick Carlisle, though it wasn't his choice seemingly, and then moving on from Donnie Nelson, which he had to do kind of in a reluctant fashion when Tim Cato's story came out last summer. (sighs) I would say that I think there are elements of Mark Cuban's last 10 years where I wish he would have been more proactive. He told me, you know, if you were me, wouldn't you do the same stuff I do, meaning being heavily involved? And I told him, yeah. But I think there's also a little bit, you know, of reluctance to move on from people. And that's that's part of being a manager. If you're going to be hands-on, then you need to make the tougher choices. And there are elements of things that happened from like 2016 to 2020 where he wasn't very good at that. I mean, our site covered it relentlessly. It was not fun. And it's that's where it gets frustrating because it's like, I just want to talk about the basketball, but you can't ignore some of that stuff because it all plays into what you mentioned in terms of just being an owner. And I don't know. I I, I understand why he does what he does, but it's like you come out tonight and it's it's he makes a kind of benign comment about, oh, you know, the, the Matt will be able to easily replace Jalen Brunson. Like, that just that, that like adding on easily didn't need to be said. It's just it's like stop like stop doing that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. I just I just can't. I, I my dad used to always tell me growing up, as my dad grew up a Cowboys fan and grew up in Dallas, and and told me that you know he stopped rooting for the Cowboys the day Jerry Jones uh, fired Jimmy Johnson. So. I was just sure. I was just, uh, and and now I, as I've grown up as a Mavs fan, I've always been way more into the Mavs, and and I'm like, man, it was really it was Dirk keeping us there the whole time. I mean, like it's the way they treated his career. I mean, the fact that he was so loyal, I I, I can't believe it. Um, I definitely wouldn't have been that loyal. That's for sure. Well, and and that's I, you know, I'm glad you said that because that's a level of our consternation that exists where there are things framed in a way through the lens of Dirk that I don't think is wise to count on. I think Luca loves Dirk Nowitzki that much is clear, but I, he is not Dirk Nowitzki and he's going to do what's best for him. So some of the like hand wringing that I do on a regular basis comes from that, that notion and, you know, I would love to watch Luca for his entire career as a Maverick. That that's what I want. And that's where a lot of this you know, that's where a lot of it comes from, at least for me. Yeah, same same here. It's just, it's all I, I think it was the the meme you posted with the dominoes that they kind of creeps <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> but, I actually uh, stole it from my co editor Josh, who did something like much more basic, but it's just it's like <laughs> these little ticks and I don't you know you know, Adam Silver actually talked about this today in his summer league press conference where he's just like, I don't, you know, there's got, like, there has to be something done about the players opting for trades. But until that happens, you know, you got to, we all have to sort of, at, you know, at least live with the notion that a disgruntled Luca in two and a half years 
could do something similar. And none of us want that. And the easiest way to make that happen is to continue to improve. And I know it's not always easy. This year just might be the year where the Mavericks take their medicine. That's sort of a thing I've settled on where I'm sure they'll still win like 45 games because Luca has a floor, but it's going to be harder, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the only – oh, this is terrible to say, but uh, how many first-round draft picks, future first-round draft picks, could Luka Doncic get in two years? I mean, like, it's a billion. That's where, like – that's where it's like you, you sort of feel for the front office and even for Donnie Nelson to a degree where it's like you trade two future first for Porzingis and you're like, this is okay. I can work with this. But then you see Rudy Gobert, who is quietly, if you look at his statistical contributions, like older, older players above seven, one age, like bananas on a countertop. And he got five picks and like the Mavericks simply cannot do anything like that. There's the, it, it's not that they wouldn't, it's that they can't. They can't send that much out because they don't have the resources. But, like, it's it's crazy when you think about that sort of thing where it's like, what would a player like him fetch? Like, an entire new franchise? Anyways. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, what I wanted to end on, last thing I want to say, um, you know, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the day we get the full Jalen Brunson story, uh, what exactly happened there. Uh, but I just – I. I do not understand. I mean, the day you decided to give Porzingis the max was the day that you knew, hey, in two to three years, if Luca is who we think he's going to be, we're going to be over the salary cap to keep this team together. And I know KP is not here anymore, but that's you had to have known that when you gave KP that contract, right? Sorry, I apparently don't know how to use my own app. Um, yes, they had to be thinking this way. I mean, I don't think they ever really knew what to do with Brunson from like a four, like four years out. I, my favorite take was within days of them drafting Brunson, my buddy Jonathan Shark said that he was going to be better than Dennis Smith Jr. And like, I remember thinking that was wild. And it was so correct. And so it's just, you know, for as good as Brunson was, I can give the Mavericks a little bit of a pass for not knowing he was going to be this good. Like I think Carlisle sort of sort of kept him under wraps. Um, gosh, there's a guy I talk with regularly on Twitter, Tyler, who was telling me like two and a half years ago, like it's Carlisle's a problem. Carlisle's a problem. And I was just like, really? Like, I just think he has tunnel vision and they're not, he was right. And there's not much, you know, it, it, it just like seems the Mavericks kind of got caught off guard with it too. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see what they do. Thanks, Kurt. Sure thing, buddy. Talk soon. Hope you come back. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to Krishna. What's up tonight, my man? Hey, Kirk. How are you? It's too late for this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird. Now that Summer League's happening, I took notes of all these games, and they just make me sadder. Never take notes on Summer League games, because, like, when I'm recapping, it's just, it's like, It'll just be like, so-and-so missed a shot, and then repeating that like four times in a row. It's real bad. <laughs> I just took really broad things. I think the thing that was interesting was, like, obviously Jaden Hardy is the focus. And I do agree with you. He's not a point guard. He's definitely a two-guard with, like, limited, and I, I mean this very, very, like, truthfully limited playmaking. You know, the comparisons of, like, Bradley Beal, I think the one thing you always talk about Bradley Beal is, could he ever be a playmaker? And Bradley Beal's just not, and he's probably never going to be. Do I think Jaden Hardy is that right now or will be that? I can't guarantee that or say that. But I do think he has a better inclination to playmake. Like, I do think he tries to, and that's somewhat positive. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like game situation stuff. Like, I was on the baseline in game one when he overpenetrated and fell down in front of the the Bulls' big guy who just cooked us. Um of it. Yeah, yeah and then down. it was that was a real bad one. And then later in overtime, he tried to he like forcefully tried to split a trap. And I think those sorts of things are correctable given enough film and given enough like opportunity. I mean, 
I, was it Greg St. Jean who was on the uh, on yeah, the broadcast today, where today. today where he's like talking about like you know you got to play through this stuff like he's not going to get these options in the regular season so For, as much as it's like annoying to watch I also don't hate it because it's trying something like it's why I wish Josh Green were to play. For sure, and I'll be honest, I didn't get to hear anything on the broadcast because I was listening to the Isaac and Bobby Corella version, so I didn't know anything that was going on. So. I didn't hear any of the comments, sure. but um, I think it makes sense. Like that's the point of summer league. Like Trey Young, like as much as no one wants to bring up Trey Young, he was horrendous in his summer league that oh, that, yeah. that, that season. And I don't think anyone cares about that now. Like that, can, I'm not saying that Jane Hardy is Trey Young at all, but it, it's the time where you experiment and you make mistakes. Because I think too often we just want players to make the correct decision all the time, and I think. That's sure. not how it works. Like really good players will make mistakes and then what they do is they learn from the mistakes and then they improve. And I think if we even just look at Jaden Hardy's track record, I think he has a better track record of saying, I've made these mistakes. I'm going to learn from them. And, and even all the stuff like that's talked about before, he does want to learn. Like, I don't think he's so ignorant or so egotistical that he's thinking like i am the the s and and i think no you don't you don't fall to 37 yeah yeah and and come in without a little humility for sure and i think even if he was a top like even if a a lottery late lottery pick like 15 i don't think he would still been like that um but i i do think he's definitely like he's developmental right like and i think that's something that the mavericks have just not had for so so long like I, I was thinking about mistakes and we always talk about like kp trade and all this stuff but one of the mistakes the mavericks have made is even when they draft players they just don't put them in situations that allow them to develop and i mean the the, the tricky part about dallas is that if you look at their past 25 years they just haven't had opportunity even when they drafted Dennis Smith Jr. and then they had already had, I want to say they had had Dorian Finney-Smith for a year at that point, there was a summer league with like Nicholas Bersino, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dennis Smith Jr. And I remember, there's probably tweets of this out there, I remember thinking Dorian is going to get cut because Dennis Smith is spoon-feeding him and he can't hit shots. And it's just... The, the real challenge over the last 20 years is that the Mavericks have not ever gone through an extended because, you know, you want to when you rebuild, you realistically what happens is and I've heard this from uh, I want to say it was like Sharks. Yes, Jonathan Sharks. And then some of the other ringer draft guys until you get the guy that you believe is your number one guy. You're constantly rebuilding. It's like the magic got Palo. Uh, Benchero, and it's like, okay, is he the number one guy for that team? Uh, maybe really like him, but Probably. until you're confirmed with that, you're just piddling around. And the Mavericks went from you know Dirk being really good until like 2015, 2016. Then they had Barnes, who was never that guy, even though he tried. Then they had one year of Dennis, and then they ended up with Luca. So it's like they, and then they they immediately fast forwarded their timeline where they went from Porzingis. So it's like. They, they didn't really have the time to develop guys. Like, I, I get a little bit frustrated with elements of the fact, you know, before Dorian and, and Maxi really showed out, but it's like that's the closest thing they had because they just never had the picks. They've never valued the draft in a significant way other than a couple of years where they struck absolute gold. For sure, for sure. And there's, I, like, obviously the thing that's frustrating is it's not like I can go back in time and – somehow scream into the draft room, hey, don't do this. But, like, I think we would all do that in a heartbeat. But it's it, it, it's the question of, is this front office learning from those mistakes? I want to say yes, but it's it's obviously way too early to say that. But, see, I don't even know if we're ever going to be able to say that because how can you learn from mistakes when you're on the clock with Luca? For sure, for sure. I, I, that's, that's the, the real the... bitch of this. It's like they were, they were given, a, <laughs> they were given like, like a, a sliced open fruit and told but, to make a fruit salad with it even though it was like halfway decomposed. And you know what's so weird? Because everyone, like, if you want to compare it, like Giannis, in some ways, you can't compare it because Giannis at this age, at 23, barely averaged 17 points and made an all-star game. Like – 
Luca entering the league was averaging what twenty five and five. Like that is a stupid thing. Like that's stupid, and you you almost wonder like we're, I'm not going to say it. it's not true, but how much like not how much, but the Mavericks made mistakes by not really just developing players way more. Like I think of the 2013 and the 2014 years where they were barely a playoff team and they had all these super old veterans. And like, I had fun in those years somewhat like the Vince Carter buzzer beater was okay, I guess, but like you would have been much better off drafting talent that was way more complimentary and would have been, well, cause I think of like, I know as much as we hate to say it, like Phoenix in a way, right? Draft Devin Booker years ago, and you slowly build upon it with even the tons of misses they've had. They slowly built upon it, and like Mikhail, and then you pick up a Cameron Payne later down, and you draft Aiton, and you get Cam Johnson. You know, you just start picking up players and talent, and then you get Chris Paulus, theoretically the final piece at that point, and they had a very solid team. And for the Mavericks, they you could call it they've had they haven't had that fortune or like whatever but it's very perplexing because this team is in a cycle where they don't have anything to flip to make it better but they don't have a path to get worse because they have someone who's way too good for that and it's kind of like you're stuck on a it's like that scene in Temple of Doom where Indiana Jones is on that bridge and you look both ways and there's not really anything you can do. That's kind of where the mass front office is right now. But I, I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, I, I, I am, my position will still be that I am cautiously optimistic. I just get frustrated with the PR elements and oh, for tonight, sure. tonight was like the first time in a while that I've really been like, are you, are you fucking serious? It it it's yeah exactly. I think I, I'm not even like J Kid. I wasn't as frustrated as like he was. He was pretty open about like yeah, we're gonna miss Brunson. Like it's not gonna be easy. But it's like you said about Mark. It's like yes, you can be invested in a team, but that doesn't mean you have to go and talk about it. Because I think Mark sometimes thinks that he knows what he's talking about, but it's like it's okay to admit you don't know what you're talking about and to just defer to other people and let them make decisions. And he seems almost afraid of that or like his ego is too big to do that sometimes, which is worrying. Well, he specifically said out loud, he, he specifically said, I think I should be the team's biggest proponent. And there is value in that to future customers. I don't think there's value in that as head of the team and basketball operations and GMing and stuff like that. Because it's just like, I don't know. Like uh, we can easily replace Jalen Brunson scoring. Like, no, look, okay. If he had said it'll be difficult, but we will try to replace Jalen Brunson scoring. That's obviously a completely different proposition, but to say we could, or even if he says we're going to replace Jalen Brunson scoring, that's very different from putting the adjective easily. And I think he wants to extrude confidence, but it's like there's a time and a place to extrude it. That's my like, beef. That's yeah. exactly my beef. Like like the playoffs? Like, oh, do it in the playoffs. Like, I could absolutely care less. Like, yes, puff your chest out. You're in the playoffs. Do it. But this is like off-season summer league. Let's not puff our chest out. Like, who the heck knows what this roster is going to look like in the long term. And I, I do feel like I feel bad just overall because the, the, it seems like who the heck knows is what's going to happen because this offseason in general has just been – it's not been good, but it's not been bad. It's just been really weird, weird just for the Mavericks, yeah. but every team in general. Like like the, the Suns haven't done anything. The Pacers haven't done anything. Like arguably the only teams that you could say have had – decent off seasons are the Pistons, the Knicks and the magic who are all not really great teams and have just continued their development. And all these other teams that are trying to contend are in this weird nebulous. And it's, yeah, I've been talking too long, but I'll talk another time, but it's been great, man. All right. Thanks for hanging out. Talk soon. 
Yeah, bye. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's the middle of summer, guys. What else are we going to do? Logan, what's up? How's it going, Kirk? Okay, okay. So, uh, what are you thinking? I had to, I, I recorded the game because I couldn't watch it. <laughs> so, and then I like got on You're the top. true sicko. Yeah, I got on the timeline. Got on the timeline and everybody was talking and I was like, maybe I just should. But I'm writing about Hardy for this blog. So I was like, I feel like I have to watch it. And then the funny thing is I've mostly already written the article and I wrote it after the first game, which it's not like crazy hyperbole that he's going to be amazing. But I, I still had a pretty positive slant of being like, what is this guy? You know, there's sure. there's hope. And then like they're supposed to put it out tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't want to put it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I, it's- no, I, I, I still. So so the stuff that you the, look, this is always my thought when I do summer league stuff. Is the player doing anything that is NBA translatable? Anything. So far on this roster, AJ, uh, what's his last name? Um, AJ Lawson and Jaden Hardy are the only two players in the Mavericks roster that have shown me an NBA anything. Anything. The rest of it has been really piss-poor basketball. Um, the guy that we had on the two way, what's wrong with me from last season, the guy, Moses, Wright, uh, Like, you know, Tim wrote in his piece today that like Moses, Wright Is like a front runner to get another like two way. And that I don't agree with him a, but the only justification for that is this guy has a plus six wingspan with enormous arms, but maybe it's like plus eight, like his arms are just ridiculous, but he is a, he is not a basketball player. He is a concept and, no. and it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. who, who's the who's the center for the Warriors that that killed us? Um, the, like the idea Looney. is like you play him like Looney and he can develop, and I, the Mavericks don't have time for that. They just don't have time for it. They don't have the depth for it. it like turning a wing, right. turning a, la- a rangy wing into a center is is what the hope would be. And it's just you know you watch this sort of stuff, and and Hardy, I have liked elements of what Hardy has done. He has forced the issue. He has turned over the ball. He has also taken some absolutely gorgeous, like sidestep and and kind of diagonally back threes. And can he do that if he's catching passes from Luka Doncic? Yes. So, kind of my whole thesis of the article is that he is a very imaginative player. Like he, his handle is completely inconsistent, and he'll dribble it off his foot, but he has like, I mean, this has always been the story with him. This is why the people that love him love him is that whether it's creating the shots the way he does or trying a dribble move, he has some ingenuity with that stuff. It's just that it seems like he doesn't know how to harness it at all. But um, I think the first game that obviously was a lot more clear, like you were like, oh, there's something here. You know what I mean? And I don't well, think... Well, the Bulls also just might not be very good. So it's like, it's always difficult to like, to, to figure out what's the context of, of what a guy's doing. But that game was fun, and I'm happy with it. Well, do you, do you know how they schedule summer league games? Because I've noticed we basically played the other worst teams, and I was like, is yeah, this Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they schedule that first weekend for TV and for viewership, not necessarily viewership, but, like, in-game accountability. Like, you watch the people in the crowds as the games go on. That first Friday and Thursday, everything is packed. The Saturday is out of control. And then from there, it's kind of downhill. So it's like the best teams will play. You get four games guaranteed, and then they go to this wonky like tournament type thing. But by that point, nobody wants to play except for the guys who are still trying to like make rosters. So they they kind of front load like your Oklahoma Cities, your Detroits, like those guys played twice. And so it's, I, I should have thought of this: the Mavericks were right. a terrible team. Like I should have gone out there starting today. And I just wasn't thinking when I bought my ticket because I kind of do this out of my own pocket. So that's that's how that ends up, to answer your question. Right. Well, I guess I, w- I wanted to just talk about the my frustration with like the PR machine, the Mavs Industrial Complex, as I put it. Um, that, like, and I mean, I know you kind of like end up having almost working relationships with some of these people that are like the people telling us to calm down all the time so you don't have to really spiel about it, but... There's like a disorganization right now. Like the Christian Wood thing is weird. I just wish they were almost like, hey, we're still positive. We have Luca, but like you guys are right. This shit's weird. You know, just the same thing you're talking about, the stink. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's weird not to 
or to say what the plan is. It's just like a very, and I kind of thought we were past that a little bit. I thought that was, you know, Donnie Nelson era more so. And it just seems, I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, we want to know what the plan is. You know what I mean? Yep. I do. Because the Christian Wood thing, I mean, Tim Cato is, you know, usually has pretty good sourcing on, like, Christian Wood is someone you have to handle with care. If you didn't want to do that, you shouldn't have gotten him. Because you're going to have to massage his ego and, like, you know, I don't know. It just, I mean, maybe they think, you know, it's a, it's a earn the starting spot with defense, kind of like it's its own motivational thing. And I'm not going to say I know better than they do about that. But it just seems, like, really tricky to have him coming off the bench. But well, that was that was a weird thing to me. That that speaks to a different. It's like you just lost a guy who wanted to be a starter for less money than you probably could have offered him, all because of role. It bothered me in the sense of it, it just felt like an own goal that you didn't need to kick. Where it's just who is telling Tim that? Yes. Why? Like, what's the upside? Well, that's been that's been a kind of the disorganization thing that I'm talking about is that like a lot of the reporters who it's not their problem. They're not doing anything wrong. But like from the beginning, it was like, we're going to get a wing. And then they got Joel McGee. And then it's like Christian Wood's going to be on the bench. And then we were talking about the way differently about Brunson and stuff. It's just like I feel like after getting the Western Conference, we were like, oh, we just kind of have our shit together when in fact, like. That was just something that was completely the team of players and kid too. I mean, he's a good coach, but like it didn't just make us have our shit together. And that's very frustrating. You know what I yep, mean? It's like, I do. that's the first thing that should be right. Is that like from ownership on down, it's just this machine. And it's like, it really frustrates me when it doesn't feel like it's a well, well oiled machine. And then that makes it even more frustrating when people tell us to calm down. Cause it's like, yeah, we may be like, talking about the roster maybe we're going overboard but just like wanting some semblance of like of of seeming like they know what they're doing like we're saying like a plan like that's not too much to ask for and people shouldn't like cover for that by being like we have luca it's like luca and and the front office like responding correctly have nothing to do with each other you know what i mean like but i don't know i understand well, thank you, buddy. Go go watch your summer league game and oh, write about basketball. I'll just in the morning. I'll, I'll just have it on most likely. Yep. Thanks, Kurt. Right, man. Talk soon. Um, so I'm gonna address this real quick. Jonas in the chat says, "How much more to the Brunson story is there? Do you think?" And my my opinion, piecing together the various stories, is that the Mavericks had no idea that Brunson was going to get offered this much. I think if they knew that the Knicks were making this kind of hard press and they weren't interested in keeping him as recently, like in February, they would have traded him at the deadline. I think they got caught unawares. Um, I will say that what has happened in New York gives the Mavericks an easy out uh, they, we were never given the chance to offer is something that has been said out loud repeatedly. I promise you, man, if the money's high enough, he's going to listen, but they had a walkaway price. That's okay. They're never going to admit that, but I'm pretty sure they had a walkaway price. That was probably something North of, of $23 million a season. That's, that's just kind of how I feel. Um, so that's, that's just the nature of it. I'm it's, it's done. It's a little frustrating, but that's where we are. All right, coming up last, my guy Grayson. What's up? Hey, Kurt. Howdy. Uh, can I be honest with you? Always. I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just – I don't – I know you can't say this, so I'm just going to say it. Can they stop gaslighting us? Like, I'm so tired of this. Well, I mean, I can say it. I've asked for that. Like, I yeah. just – like, stop telling me that the good thing is uh, – that, that the bad thing is good. It's not like, that hard. I get, I get that we just made a Western Conference Finals and that I need to chill out. But also, we just lost our second best player for nothing. Yeah. Like, that sucks. And I have a right yeah. to be mad about that. Yes, you do. And, like, please just stop going on television and handing Greg Anthony, like, a card of, like, propaganda and telling him to read it. Like, can we just not? Like, I, I'm losing, I'm going insane here. Like, Luca, Luca's, like, a, he seems like a pretty mellow dude. He's not going to go to the media and get all pissy, but like what he said, I mean, like that's not a ringing endorsement, man. 
and I know he's being nice and saying that, you know, well, we'll, you know, I want to, I want to win a ring here because that's what every player says. But like, let's be honest, man. Like we're in a player era. They have all the power. Kevin Durant just requested a trade with four years left in his contract. Luca could request a trade tomorrow. Like I just, this is like insanity to me. Like, can we stop pretending that this has been a good off season? We traded for a center for like, not, we traded nothing for a center and we're going to piss him off by benching him. Like, I, I just don't get it, man. I'm, I'm losing my mind here. I had to make peace a while ago. It was probably right before I moved here that if I was going to continue to do this at the volume that I do it with our site and with our shows that you guys participate in, that there was going to be elements of things where people started to tell me I'm wrong. Now, what I've been very, what I've learned really quickly in the last six weeks is that the folks who disagree with our sort of style of coverage, meaning when I say our, I'm including you guys who come on here and talk about this. Um, the people who are unhappy with it don't actually listen to what we have to say. <laughs> don't actually read the posts. They, there's, they, they read my pissy tweets and then go from there. And like Twitter is, is the void. Like anybody that acts like Twitter matters, it is influential, but it isn't the story. Um, it is the genesis of some of the story. So I understand why you're frustrated. I have been like this for a while. I will say that part of why I'm not as frustrated continues to circle back to the fact that I, I cannot believe they're done. If they end this off season this way before the season starts, I will cook them. Like, but am I, just, I, about I to, don't. Am I about to watch Frank Nielakina dribble the ball like for 12 minutes a game next season? Cause I'm, I, mean, I would maybe. go insane. Like I will come on these post game green rooms or whatever they're called now. And I will yell. Cause I, sure. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Like they have to make another move and they have time to do that. But like, yep. I know you said you like Conley Kirk, but that dude is cooked. And I see nah. like every, I think it was hard. I really think he was hard. Like is Boyan Bogdanovich and Pat Bev. Like, that's great. I would love it if those two guys sure. were on the mats, but are those guys going to make this team like, like way like significantly better like how much is that really moving the needle i'm like, not sure but I, I i will tell you that this off season has been about adjusting expectations and some of this becomes a fact of what is more important to me as a person who doesn't get a say despite having a voice and i will say that like I, I will always live on the island of I want the Mavericks to prove me wrong so much more than I want to be right. Being right is useless. Like, the Mavericks being good is is so much better for all of us. Like, we like this more. <laughs> so I, I that's where I'm coming at it from. Where I, I – in, until the things are really wrapped up, I'm not going to – I'm not going to truly go off my rocker. I mean, I know I started the podcast a little bit that way, but that's mainly just because of Cube's, like – staring into the camera and giving a wrestling promo. Um, but that, you know, that is what it is. Can I, uh, can I just give uh, speaking of a wrestling promo, can I just give my Mark Cuban spiel? I'm sure. sorry. Okay. Like as a person, a lot of respect for Mark, uh, what he's doing with that pharmacy plus thing is great. It's actually saving lives. It's really cool. But as an owner, Oh my God, I am losing my mind with him. Like, like, like I said, when I first came on, I'm just so tired of things happening and then him just gaslighting the fans about it. And it's not just like the Jalen thing. Like the reason that we lost Jalen was not because the Knicks, you know, offered him more money or he wanted to play there. It's because Cuban didn't fire Don Nelson when he walked out of the draft two years ago. And Donnie doesn't know how to structure a contract. So he let a dude be an unrestricted free agent. After his fourth year, like this is like there's just constant malpractice happening here. It's it's really genuinely wild to me. Like it it blows my mind. Like, and the reason that Cuban, I mean, I said Cuban fired Don. Cuban didn't fire anyone. Tim Cato fired Don Nelson. Like, this is insane to me. I'm just, I know I all I'm just repeating myself and saying I'm losing my mind, but like, I don't know, man. I'm just tired of the framing of this off season being like. Oh well, you know they lost their second best player, but that's okay because they traded for Christian Wood. And like, hey, you know what? Like you said, I hope I'm wrong. Hope Christian Wood's an All Star next year. But um, can we not pretend 
Like, this is cool. Can we just not? Like, this sucks. We lost our second best player, and I don't want to watch Frank Nielakina dribble the ball. So that's what that's that's what I have to say. You're muted, by the way. <laughs> that's how I'm really, really good at my own app. My, Jonas in the chat said something that killed me, and he says, they would tell you you would be talking different if we got Giannis. Well, it's just like, yes, I would also be talking differently if I found a million dollars on the ground. Like, what are, what are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they trade Kevin Durant tomorrow for Tim Hardaway Jr., then I'll shut up. But, like, <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Like, come on. If we go get Pat Bev, what did Pat Bev shoot from three last year? Like, 32%? I don't know. I'm just guessing. But, like, come on. Like, really? Really? Yeah. No one is replacing – oh, my God replacing Jalen Brunson scoring. Don't even get it's me It's just not that hard. Mind. It's also like real. It, it's just not that hard to come out and say Jalen Brunson cannot be replaced, but we are confident in what we can do in the attempt. Yeah. Like that's fine. If they came out and say that, I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the case. And like Jalen wanted to go place for his dad and he got more money and it's freaking New York city. Like, yep playing in the garden. I get it. You know, like I get why Jalen left. I'm not mad at Jalen Brunson. I'm just, I, I, I don't, I don't know who it was earlier that said it, the, it's the Mavs media uh, industrial complex or whatever. Like it's not just Cuban. Like it's a lot of guys that I really like, like, like Brad, for example, I'm going to go ahead mm-hmm. and call out Brad, like Brad being like a lot of y'all are making a big deal out of a Google translate quote. Like, dude, we are allowed to freak out about things, okay? Like, did Cuban log on to your account and tweet that? Like, can we just not? Can we not? Can we just stop the reframing? I'm losing my mind here. Not to mention a whole bunch of Spanish-speaking people were like, excuse me, this is what it says. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I don't speak Spanish, but I. That's, he didn't say, hey, you know, like, this has been a great offseason. I really support what the team is doing. Like, he, like, I'm... I know I'm not the first person to say that, but like that was not a ringing endorsement. And that's my biggest concern is because like Luca, when he goes to the media, like barely says anything ever. So for him to be like, Hey, this off season fucking sucks in a nice way is like pretty concerning to me. I'm not going to lie. And I mean, it was, it, I, I, I'm telling you like, like skin told like Justin Wade told me a long time ago. He's like, you got to listen to this stuff before you, before you lose your mind about it. And I've tried to do that since he said it. Cause it's like, some things just read terrible. They just do. And his Google translate quotes do read poorly. And then I went and watched the video and he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, it's still media trained Luca stuff, but it was interesting that he said anything at all. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm worried. That's all. And I, I and I have a right to be worried. God damn it. That's all. I know. I know. Katie asks, where is this video? So I, I can't remember what the site is, but like I included a hyperlink in our post that um, that goes directly to the site. And granted, it's all in Spanish, but it's it's still worth like like Luke is just so casual when he gives interviews. Um, and yes, in the chat, I I you know I posted about. My GE Opal 2.0 countertop nugget ice maker with a side tank. It's the dumbest thing I've ever spent money on, and it makes Sonic ice. And I use it three to four times every day now that I work from home. So it's like, despite how ridiculous the price is, can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, Holden says it also has Wi-Fi connectivity. Yeah, that might be a bit much, but that's America for you. Um, Grayson, thanks so much for hanging out. <laughs> Richard and Chad says hashtag ad. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been doing this like what two and a half years now. And I don't, it's like, you'd think I could get like a, a sponsorship with someone that does like one of the, the uh, actual therapy like things, but no, you know, no, who, who wants to be on, you know, who wants to, uh, we're, we're still, we're still early. Like, like the, the fantasy focus uh, podcast that had no ads for like nine years. Nobody wants to hear me. Um, all right, guys, don't worry. You know, we get together. We talk about this. I rant and I rave because we have fun. Um, there's still plenty of things going on. Like, for example, I am watching a recap or a, a re-showing of the, the Boston Celtics playing the Golden State Warriors. 
and Mavs legend Justin Jackson is on that team. Like we could still be talking about Justin Jackson, and we're not. So things can always be more weird. Um, all right, guys, we'll talk a little later. I know the Mavericks play at least one more time. I just don't really remember what it is. Um, all right, uh, I'll talk to you guys a little later in the week. I'm sure. Have a good one. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.